Drinkers, what's going on, everybody? It's your host, Derek Oakley, right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid Cast. You guys know what it is. We've been talking draft for months, for days, and we're going to do it again today because it's my favorite event of the year. The Lions uh, got some great football players, were very aggressive, dynamic, maybe some things to question. We've been over it with myself. We had Chops, at Chops in the Dion. Today, it's a big-time guest. You guys know who he is. He comes on, talks ball. Knows his stuff. The man, the myth, the legend, Logan Lamarandier for Sports Illustrated All Lines. Logan, you're back. We haven't talked really since the draft. A few texts. You've got takes. You've got picks. You've got opinions. You're on the Kool-Aid cast, man. How you doing? What up, man? Oh, all good. It was a fun draft, and I was ready for it to be done, but now um, it's at the point of the season. We got OTAs and rookie minicamp and stuff like that, but there's not a whole lot uh, going on. So um, glad it's done. Really excited to see what these players can bring to the field in the fall. Man, I can't wait to hear what you say on the draft today. Right before we got recording, I changed my mic. I've got some different headphones who I think we're going to sound good for the people, but we don't mess around here on the pod. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So let's let's just take the gloves off man let's get right into it pick 12 pick 18 going into the draft it was pick six they moved down they traded and they took jameer gibbs running back and jack campbell linebacker lots of people up in arms lots of people excited opinions all over the map logan how'd you feel about the trade the picks the positions talk to me yeah so, yeah, at pick six, once Witherspoon was gone, I was like, okay, if they're not in on Carter, there wasn't really any player that I loved at that pick. And obviously they weren't uh, high on Carter's character, and a lot of other teams weren't either. So I'm fine with that. But, you know, the whole process is, is just be so tempting to have that type of talent on the D-line. But if he's not going to put in full effort, that's definitely not going to mesh with the coaching staff. So I, the trade, loved it. Always want to trade down, get some more picks. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then once they moved to pick 12, you know, I was still thinking, you know, with Christian Gonzalez there that he'd be a good player. I don't necessarily know if he was the type of, has the type of mentality that maybe Campbell and the coaching staff looks for. And, but just athletically and that a premium position at a position that is a future need. I thought uh, Christian Gonzalez made a lot of sense, but the Lions surprised the world and, uh, went with Jameer Gibbs at 12. And you know what? I I love the player. Uh, I think he's going to provide something on the offense that the Lions haven't had probably since Reggie Bush or Javid Best. And that's actually a true speed threat once he gets in the open field. And DeAndre Swift was fast, but he uh, wasn't in the four threes. And he didn't have that top end speed that, that Gibbs has. And just the catching ability. And Swift was supposed to be a great pass catcher, but he struggled with drops once he got to the NFL. Uh, so I think Gibbs is definitely an upgrade and provides just that facet of the game where if you give him a hole, there's going to be holes. He can really make you pay and take it to the house and turn what might be a 15-yard gain into a 70-yard touchdown. But in terms of value, you have to go back to value. I just I don't agree with the pick 
um, just a, it's a running back. And I know a lot of people are saying they're going to use Gibbs as a receiver and get him plenty of touches and just get him out in space. Well, that's, that's good if that actually happens, but that was supposed to be kind of what Swift was supposed to do too. And anytime there's a hybrid kind of player, I just feel like teams don't always use them enough. And with Gibbs, um, I hope they get him plenty of touches because when you're paying Montgomery already and Gibbs is already, I think like the 16th highest paid running back in the league and you're supposed to be getting a rookie contract. And if you're drafting say an edge player or a corner where if you draft these players at 12, they're, you know, a bargain price if they're any good at running back Gibbs has to be good to live up to his contract. So uh, the whole value pick, I, I struggle with it, but I think fans and me personally, I'm going to love what he does on the, on the field. He's going to make all sorts of electric plays, big time plays that really are a lot of fun. So I am looking forward to that, but just from a roster construction standpoint, I struggle with it because I, I don't think it was worth it. Let me, uh, let me follow up with this. Uh, Logan, fill up your glass real quick while I uh, tell you what I think. Drink it in. Uh... <laughs> Um, and all the people out there, but, uh, you hit on a lot there. Uh, you know, I did want to get to your overall feel for position value. We've talked enough where we kind of both know sort of what type of players, you know, I, I look for character. I look for intangibles. I look for guys that love ball. You kind of look at, I don't know how fast they run, how high they jump. Um, but I, I was upset too, man. I really was. I guess I want to just, uh, kick it back to you. People have heard what I thought, but, you know, since then, of course, you know, we're going to support our football team. That's no question. You watch the film or highlights and uh, Jameer Gibbs is just something else to watch. I mean, it really is. And like, you know, I've always supported DeAndre Swift, but as time went on, like his shoulder pads got bigger and bigger, his thighs got bigger and bigger, and he just was often more injured and not as dynamic as, as we had hoped. I don't think he's anywhere close in the open field, the shake, or even the catching ability to what, what this kid Jameer Gibbs has. So what I want to throw back to you on is, so we think that, you know, all the analytical folks, all the position value folks think that, what do you think made Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell so fired up to take a running back at 12 and rumor innuendo says they would have taken him at six? Like what made this guy to them just a, a top three player probably on their entire board. Probably just the speed and what he can do in the open field. And the the common comparison is he's going to be the Lions Alvin Kamara. And there's a lot of Kamara in him when he gets to the outside and just understanding angles that defenders are coming at. And he kind of slows down a little bit. And then he knows he has the juice to kind of get the defenders in a, in a bad spot. And then he turns on the turbos and his acceleration is so good that he makes a lot of open field tackles, just defenders completely miss. And he just sets up guys really well. And he doesn't, he can cut on a dime. He doesn't lose speed. And his acceleration and top end speed is just, there's not many running backs in the NFL that have that type of speed. And Gibbs is smaller. I mean, he's not even 200 pounds. And that's semi-concerning. If if I were to take a running back in the first round, they would have to be like the bell cow type. And yes, they get more wear and tear. They are more maybe more likely to get injured, but I feel like the injury bug, it's just different for every player. And sometimes there's players who are lighter who don't deal with injuries. So I'm, I'm hoping that Gibbs can stay healthy and he's will be reliable and can be on the field and you know what you're getting with him every week. And yeah, you might get dinged up here and there, but we'll still be able to play through it. But I, I really think Campbell envisioned him probably a lot like Alvin Kamara was when he was with this. I mean, Campbell was still with the saints and, to have that type of just speed. And I think the Lions want big plays. And that's the reason why they drafted Jameson Williams. So, you know me, I'm all, I'm all on board for drafting these high end athletes, especially Mm -hmm. top end speed, because there's so many times when uh, players get caught from behind or a a touchdown that could have been, like I said earlier, 70 yards. If someone was faster and they get caught and it's only a 20 yard gain. That's, that's a big difference. So to me, I, I just think it's another weapon on offense. And um, his offense, it could be really good this year. And it was good last year. But just having that, those type of playmakers, both at running back and at receiver, I, I think it goes a long ways. And it's an offensive-driven league. 
So as long as the Lions are keeping up the best offenses, I think that's what the Lions kind of see for Gibbs. And he he does. I just keep mentioning he provides another element to the game that just not many teams have at the running back position. I think the the only follow-up I want to bring is that uh... – you know, it's easy to like sort sort it out in your head and understand it after. I probably spent zero time on running backs heading into this draft. I didn't want Bijan. I didn't, um, you know, spend time looking over even depth guys because I knew it was kind of a deep running back class, but I knew how dynamic Gibbs was. I think he was in one of my first couple mocks I did just because of his talent level. But, um, you know, no, no, never did I think yet you look back and – all the reasons you laid out, plus uh, if they just view him, if they're just looking at football players and comparing him one to the other, I guess you could see how this guy would be one of the most talented and the, have those speed traits, catches the football like Christian McCaffrey. Like You can start to make him make sense and add to his value the more we talk about him. Let's, let's move to Jack Campbell at 18. Um, probably had multiple other linebackers in front of him is, is how I had it stacked. Um, they take him you start to read up and watch him he he just meets everything I love about a football guy a guy you never have to worry about probably going to be a captain of your defense type he has a few things that worry me and at the NFL level if he can step it up and play there at, at the highest level to justify 18 but I love everything about this guy and and they definitely did as well and uh, I'm really hoping he works out and justifies the value where you at with Jack Campbell linebacker from Iowa. Yeah. So I, I like this pick Jack Campbell. I think we probably talked about him. He was one of my favorites for the Lions in the second round, uh, just because that's where he was often being mocked. So I was like, if you can get him in the second round, that's great. In the yeah. first round, again, going back to position value, it's, it's lesser position value, but at 18 for whatever reason, six spots back, uh, and really liking the player, I, I was fine with it. I was more than good. And um, Campbell, I, I really wanted the Lions to upgrade their linebacking unit in free agency. Instead, they re-signed Anzalone and like Jalen Reeves-Maven and kind of called it good. And there was that narrative out there that the Lions just didn't value linebacker maybe, or they were just happy with the players they had. And so I didn't really I – don't, and I don't think many people did – I did not expect them to take Jack Campbell at 18, but he he checks all the boxes. He was kind of, to me, he kind of reminded me of the Frank Ragnow pick. I really liked the Frank Ragnow pick because he was one of my favorite day two players. And I he again, he checked all the boxes. He was big, athletic, played really, really well on the field. And that's Jack Campbell. He does everything well. He's really reliable. He has the type of size that you just don't see at the position anymore. Athletically, he, he tested off the charts. And... You don't always maybe see it on the field where it looks like he's moving a little slower, but I think that's probably just because he has really long strides, but his agility scores are just for his size. Uh, I, I mentioned it somewhere. I can't remember where I, where I said it, but uh, you know, typically a guy his size with his athleticism, I'm surprised he stuck it out at off ball linebacker and they didn't move him to edge because he has that elite edge type of frame and that three cone drill. And that's a big agility thing. And obviously he played great at, at off ball linebacker. I don't blame him for staying there, but uh, I just really like what he brings. And I think he's going to be the middle linebacker of the future. And I don't know if that will move Anzalone to the will, because he does have some experience there. Malcolm Rodriguez, I imagine he'll be the first linebacker off the bench or if they ever have three linebackers on the field, but considering their nickel safeties, whatever you want to call them that they have on their roster, I don't know how often they'll get to three three linebackers. But to me, I long-term Anzalone's contract, it was a three-year contract, but I think it's more of like a two-year deal and then limited dead cap if you wanted to cut them after two years. And you're, you're going to have uh, the succession plan already in place with Campbell. And you, I think linebacker, much like running back, both Gibbs and Campbell, I think running back and linebacker are some of the positions that guys can come in. And there's, there's so much instinct to it that they can kind of, uh, there's, relatively not as much learning curve and they can come in and make a big impact right away. So I'm, I, I do think that position value again, much like running back linebacker, it's not great position value, but you see a lot of the top linebackers go 
in, in the first round, a lot more than running backs. So Campbell, um, I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I think he's going to be a really good player, really solidify that linebacking unit and he should be able to make a impact early and we'll kind of take it from there. So for, for me, like, again, I was upset with, with the pick, the player, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel it. Didn't see it. And now of course, rooting for him, want to do well, uh, love what he brings uh, at the table. I, I want to throw it to you. Just, do you think he's going to be, I mean, you got to like the size of course, but um, the testing versus what you see, and then also the NFL guys. I mean, can Jack Campbell handle NFL backs, NFL, uh, you know, people coming at him uh, in regards to both his speed, diagnosing, but also just being able to, is his athleticism translate, you think, to that level to be a, I mean, we're talking 18, so kind of that value to justify or like, you know, you don't want him just to be a lunch pail guy or an okay player. You want him to be a rock solid LB1 that's going to hopefully be in the top 10 kind of at the position uh, in the next couple years. And like say, he probably will be an instant starter. I mean, do you see those things checking off as well? Yeah, I, I think he's more than capable and he has the instincts, but much like running back and, and linebacker, they, uh, if you're drafted in the first round, uh, you really have to be an elite player at the position because there's, there's a lot of good linebackers, but good linebackers, I feel like, don't necessarily impact the game all that much. You need an elite linebacker. And with Campbell, I, I think he's close to there and he has everything you look for to get to that level. Um, but yeah, you just wonder about the range, his range sometimes, and maybe it's not going to matter as much as a middle linebacker, but he, to live up to pick 18, he, I think he eventually has to be an all pro type of player because if not, and he's just an average linebacker and it's really like that at any position, but even more so at the lesser value positions, if you're not an elite player at a lesser value position and you get drafted in the first round, it's it's really a waste because you're not getting any financial discount on the rookie contract yeah. um, at a relatively cheaper position. Yeah, see, I see him as a high floor guy, a guy that Detroit will yeah. love based his mentality, somebody that might help you right away. But what's that ceiling? You know, like he doesn't jump off the page to me as this freak linebacker that's going to sack the quarterback, chase people down, turn the football over. Yes, he did all those at college. So you're like, why wouldn't he do it now? Because I just think that bump up is going to be a little bit different. But my counter to it is if he does everything well or above average early in his career, based on who he is as a person and what Detroit looks for in that quote-unquote Spielman-type backer that they've always wanted again, like, He's a cult hero, don't you think, right away? I mean, start serving up Kool-Aid and cornbread for Jack Campbell because if he plays well above average or great, I mean, you can just make a statue of this guy is kind of how I view him. Yeah. Again, to live up to the first-round hype, he's going to be really <laughs> good. And then I, you said it best. I think he's a high-floor player. And I think he has a high ceiling just because of all of his measurables. But on film, he's a ultra reliable guy, um, and he—I think he graded really well from PFF and uh, his passing grade. But a lot of it was zones in terms of straight man against quicker backs. I could see him struggling, but that's that's almost any linebacker. That's mm -hmm. why there's so many DBs on the field now. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Let, let's do this. Everybody, stay tuned because um, before we hit the break. I want to dive into one other topic quick here with Logan. And then after we want to kind of go a little rapid fire on uh, rounds two through seven and get your take on these other uh, picks the Lions made as well as the Logan picks that, that you made live on the clock. Kind of give your thoughts, um, maybe hints on the UDFAs real quick. And then we, we might even have time to end this show with the schedule reactions. Uh, that came out here within the last week before we got recording. So I know everyone's excited about those. Everybody's putting W's and L's down. But uh, we'll see where the show goes. But, Logan, you've hit on position value a lot. You've also hit on, you know, hey, you wanted these guys at this spot. They took them at this spot. I guess my main point to you is where do you stand on the, hey, these were our guys. These are the guys we wanted. 
you know you can't wait to 18 to get Jameer Gibbs based on what they knew and other NFL teams might do. Um, also, we've all been in those drafts where you try to get cute and you're like, I'm going to wait a little bit longer and you miss your guy. My counterpoint is always that there's another guy <laughs> right after that on the pecking order that you can take or that you should have in your holster uh, just in case your guy goes. So where, where do you fall on all this that they just got their players no matter what versus, well, you could have not got your guy and still got a different position or a different value at a, at a better price? It's just so tough to say because you have to wait and see how it plays out. Now, if they truly want these players and they turn out to be exactly what they expected them, then and they're all pro, pro bowler type players, then no one's going to care. But if they're just good um, and you have other positions like corner or edge that are also just good, those other players on the cheaper contract are going to be more valuable. So I, it all goes back to valuable or just the position value. Um, but I understand how they want to get their guys. And I did feel like this was a weaker class and the guys, at least they drafted have some elite traits and can really run and are athletic. And I think that's more often than not um, a lot of the best players. And yes, there's plenty of exceptions, but a lot of the best players are, you know, elite athletes and they're the ones that can take over games. So I, I get it. I know they wanted their players, but at the same time, um, there's position value for a reason. And there's a reason that not many running backs are taken in the first round. And that over the past five years, uh, Robinson of this year's draft was the only guy who's been picked higher than Jameer Gibbs has been. And look at all the best running backs in the league. Not many of them are taken that high. So again, it's yes, you can have your guys, but um you have to match it up with position value. No doubt about it. And uh, we'll really see when they hit the field. Everybody's real excited because the Lions came in with a lot of firepower and they left with a lot of guys that will probably start or impact this team from day one. And we obviously have our sights on the division title, home playoff game, and all that good stuff that we talk about every week here on this show. Drink that in, everybody. Double-sided cornbread. Let's get our great sponsors in here. Logan, they help out the show. Always fun having you on. Again, you guys can all check out Logan at Lamarandier on Twitter. He's always put out stats, info, um, writes articles for Sports Illustrated All Lions. You might hear him on the radio broadcast here and there doing his thing. But uh, let's get our commercial break in and we come back, Logan. We got to talk about Ron two round three some really intriguing picks we'll spend most of our time on that we'll talk about the pick in round five got to get your thoughts on the pick in round seven and uh do some other things here on the show so everybody we'll be right back all right everybody this goes out to my fantasy football fans out there now you probably heard about reality sports online the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners can build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, we're talking free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades. You could put franchise tags on guys. Uh, it's as close as you're going to get to being an NFL GM. But do you think it sounds complicated? It's not. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing about Reality Sports Online is it's just more fun than your normal fantasy league, but it doesn't take barely any more time. After all this, are you still not sure? I mean, come on now. You can test your general manager skills by going over to Reality Sports Online, call it RSO. Please go check out realitysportsonline.com right now. All right, Kool-Aid drinkers, we're back. I filled up you filled up your glass once in the first segment, but might as well do it again. Drink it in, man. Uh... Side of cornbread. Cornbread. Make it a double. Cornbread. We got the the man Logan Lamarandier here on the show, spitting all types of knowledge. I said I was just gonna try to get out of his way, let him do his thing today. So, Logan, before we get into the other Lions picks, like we talked a lot about Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell. We always play this fun game that I've been doing for years and that you always write a great article about. Who were your live picks if you were GM of the Detroit Lions that you made on draft night for picks one and two? 
So one uh, would have been pick 12 was Christian Gonzalez. And again, I don't know if he was uh, a personality fit, but uh, athletically and skill set wise, I think he has everything you look for. Uh, and then interesting enough, just at pick 18, the way the board fell, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was my top guy that I had still left. And not that I would have loved to take it a wide receiver because I don't necessarily think it was a need. But I, I just think he's going to be really good, and I, I wouldn't have been able to pass him up at that point because I, I feel like there was really only a few blue-chip players, and I, I felt like Smith and Jigba was in that category of um, kind of like can't-miss prospects. I was quoted as saying on my live audio as the draft was going after they took Jameer Gibbs, I said, I said, the hell, Lions like might get real crazy or just take JSN at 18 and say, screw it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what they were doing after they called Jameer Gibbs's name. I was just thrown off kilter on that one. But uh, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, um, can't say I love either of those picks from you, uh, especially. I just got one question for you about Christian Gonzalez. Does he love football <laughs> or is he just an <laughs> athlete? <laughs> you answer me that. Yeah. <laughs> He's an athlete that had a really good season last year and a really good season before that. But the ball production, which is very important, if you're going to draft a cornerback. Um, you know, he was a bit of a one-year wonder in that department. But he he definitely has the skill set and everything you look for in a top lockdown corner. Well, I'll change that a little bit. He has the athleticism you look for and some of the other things on the field. Does he love the game? Is what I said. But anyway, <laughs> we won't spend much time on that. Let's go to... Round two, the Lions, like you say, you love that trade. I loved it too, but I remember live on draft day when I was trying to get the details from Shefty and all that. I was like, oh man, we gave up our third third rounder? Like we just gave up 81 or whatever it was. But to get 34 is so dang valuable. So the Lions are picking third there in round two. Um, talk about Sam Laporta, the tight end from Iowa, and maybe mix in kind of who you selected live on the clock there as well. Yeah, so Laporta, um, again, that that narrative out there, the Lions didn't necessarily value tight end, I, I don't think was true because they drafted Laporta, the second tight end drafted in the draft. And I, Laporta's skill set, uh, very athletic, um, not the biggest guy in the world. Not He's a willing blocker, but again, not a guy you're probably going to want to keep in line all the time. and the Lions style of running the ball I don't necessarily think he's a great fit so I'm interested to see how they're going to use him but uh again I'm athletically I thought Laporta really was high end and yes being a little lighter maybe those like his 40 time and all of his agility scores are a little bit inflated due to just being 245 pounds which that's kind of the way the NFL is moving is towards lighter tight ends anyways but I think with Laporta is just his run after the catch ability, which is so impressive. Uh, after all those years with Hawkinson, you know, just seemingly falling down after he catches it and going down rather easy. It's going to be really nice to have a guy like Laporta who's really tough to take down and has a little bit more juice than Hawkinson did and might be able to get a little bit more run after the catch. I, I will say with Laporta, you know, watching him drops, I thought were a bit concerning. Um, I feel like that, <laughs> That little fact is often overlooked, but I, he had, I want to say his career is like 9.4% uh, drop average over his career. And he had a couple seasons, which was over 10, which is, you know, like getting into Ebron territory. <laughs> um, so I, I think that that's, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then in, in terms of contested catches, I, I typically want a tight end who, you can just throw him the ball, even though there's someone draped all over him and he'll come down with it. And Laporta has shown he can do that, but it can, he can't consistently do that. He, he, it's not really the best part of his game. And then maybe he'll get better at it. And if Goff tr trusts him a little bit more, he'll throw into tighter windows. And even when he's covered against a smaller safety or something like that, he'll be able to come down with it. But that's just what I saw from film on him. In terms of who I would have taken on the clock, I actually went with Michael Mayer. So I was good with drafting a tight end. I just felt like Mayer was a more complete package, and I thought he would fit the Lions a little bit better for, for blocking. Obviously, I was wrong. The Lions definitely valued Laporta more, but with Mayer, just a big-bodied guy, uh, comes down with just about everything, 
um, very reliable, not as good of an athlete, which probably is what dropped him down the board, but just ultra productive, could be on the field at all times because he's never a liability in anything. And uh, I just think, again, going back to contested catches, where Laporta, I didn't necessarily think was great at it. Uh, Mayer can use his hands really well. And even when he's covered, he can come down with it. So that's a little nitpicky. Um, I don't mind the Laporta pick at all. Uh, but yeah, Mayer would have been my pick and was my pick before the Lions made their selection. I feel like most people were like running back and then a linebacker, an inside linebacker, and then a tight end. It's like, oh, I know. I, I feel like tight end I was most fine with because it was like a glaring spot. You know, it was kind of like you basically refunded TJ Hawkinson and got a what I think is a better version for cheaper, much cheaper, and used that pick you obtained to move around. And then uh, with the 34th pick, Logan, I would have taken Brian Branch, safety, DB, Alabama. But uh, Brad Holmes said, hold my Kool-Aid because I'm going to go ahead and get him at 45 and sneak up and take it from the Packers to take the DB that I've loved from day one of the draft process. What do you think about Brian Branch being the pick for the Lions at 45? Did you love it like everybody else did? Oh, yeah. It was it was wonderful. Of Yeah. <laughs> of all the Lions players they drafted, Branch was the highest on my board. Um, so, yeah, getting him at 45. And, yes, it wasn't the best athlete, and that's probably why he dropped down a little bit. And, I don't know if he necessarily has one position because he is all over the field. So sometimes you have to have a specific role in mind for him on the defense. And I think really that's uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson's spot. So he might just be more of a backup this year, but injuries are going to happen. And I still think with his versatility, you're going to be able to get him on the field some way or shape or form. And he's going to, he's just a great football player. He's a great tackler. He's super aggressive instinctive and I think for a safety that's the most important part there's a lot of great safeties that aren't overly athletic it's just they have the instincts and can read the quarterbacks and know their angles and they don't miss tackles and they just do everything well and that's that's Brian Branch uh, in terms of football player he was just about <laughs> the best you could get so I, I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did and I'm so glad the Lions uh, traded up a few spots just to make sure they secured him because I think long term I you know Gardner Johnson's looking for that payday. That's why he signed a one-year deal. If he demands too much money and the Lions can't re-sign him, I don't think it's going to be a big deal because you have a guy like Brian Branch just sitting waiting in the wings. Logan, I, I got to say this just because you're on the show. You want to know why I love the Sam Laporta pick more than anything that he did on the field? It was his first interview. This guy has personality. He loves the game. He's optimistic. He looks like he just wants to play ball. All those intangibles I always talk about. You want to know why I love Brian Branch so much? He stayed at the draft. Humble kid. Loves the game. Has a chip on his shoulder. Ready to play ball. All the things I always talk about that you can't quantify that's for you buddy but uh <laughs> let's go ahead and move because you mentioned something about like i don't know taking a player maybe he doesn't play as much now maybe it'll help out later maybe it's leverage if somebody wants a little too much money <laughs> maybe it's a guy that can help you down the road based on what he brings to the table and you get him now just based on the value how about pick 68 in the third round, the Lions move down multiple times in round two, and at 68, they select quarterback Tennessee Hendon Hooker, who's been named, tell me if you like it or not, it's still being workshopped, H2O. H2 for <laughs> Hendon Hooker, O for offense, let's go. <laughs> H2O, like two O's? Because doesn't... Isn't technically like H two hydrogens? H two O like well, like I guess gonna, yeah. There's two H's because H Hendon hooker. Yes, and he's gonna be okay. And he's gonna have the offense okay. flowing like water when he gets his chance. Okay, it's got potential. Yeah, I mean H two O. Yeah, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> I, I need know. it. I everyone ne- everyone needs H two O, don't they? 
everyone's got to have H2O to survive. Just like exactly. you need Hendon Hooker. Needed that backup QB. <laughs> so tell me about the pick and then circle back too to who you would have taken when the Lions took Brian Branch and because uh, we didn't get that pick from All right. Yeah, I didn't mention that because Brian ba- Branch was my personal selection at that nice. pick. So um, well yeah, can't get much better than that. And then for, for Hooker, uh, you know, I hated the idea of him at 18. Like I kept seeing a few mock drafts that had him in the first round. I'm just like, ah, that's that's a pretty big projection um, for him. But he was my number 68 player overall or number 69 player overall. And they drafted him at 68. So I think he went right where he should have. And I was more than happy to have him fall because he can't, for Hooker's perspective, he can't ask for a better landing spot. You, you got Jared Goff. So it's not like he's going to be rushed in or anything like that. Goff will be looking for a new contract. If Hooker proves himself and once he gets on the field the, and shows some ability in practice, the Lions like what he's doing. They might be able to say, all right, this is, this is our future. And I think he has that ability and he's going to need to learn a lot. He was in a very uh, quarterback friendly offense and that's been discussed plenty. Um, so there's going to have to be some, you know, reads and progressions he's going to have to learn and kind of go through. But in terms of talent, he's able to run, which is nice. It's not like he's a, an elite runner or a runner first. He just has that type of ability, but he has a strong arm and a character as you know, a good, good character guy. And I think a team leader. So I think the Lions really got a discount because of his ACL injury and to get that type of talent in the third round, the quarterback is usually always overdrafted. And I feel like the Lions didn't overdraft hooker. And even though he was my 69th ranked player, I still think that is great value to get a potential starting quarterback in the third round. Yeah, I, th- I think the reason you saw him so high was people just uh, got a lot of buzz late and it was just sort of like, hey, you know, QB premium, you got to take him uh, and and overpay so that then you can have this guy a year or two from now. And the Lions, I think, sat pat, got this guy and uh, brings everything to the table as you laid out. Logan, I got to mention it again. I love this kid's character. I love his mentality. I think he's smart. I think he could do everything he needs. He throws a good ball. Um, Just love everything he brings and love the fact that he doesn't have to go right now. There's not a ton of pressure on him. But (laughs) if and when he's ready to roll and he looks damn good, maybe better than JG16 on the practice field, yeah, we got things to talk about at that point. So I love me some H2O, no doubt about it. I thought that was a tremendous pick. Let's go a little rapid fire on these last three. Um, who was your pick there at 68 for the Lions? I went with Trenton Simpson. Um, he was the highest player on my board, but he, he's a unique player too who's technically a linebacker, but he lines up all over the field. Um, I just think he would have been nice to have, but Hooker, I I like that pick a lot too. Graded it as an A. Thought it was great value, so... Um, but before the pick, yeah, I went with Trenton Simpson. Simpson is one of those guys that drop, but then he gets picked by like Jacksonville or, or by Baltimore. Sorry. And then, uh, you, when you see guys drop and then the Steelers swoop them up, you're thinking, ah, oh, damn. Um, but uh, yep. I uh, the the only thing I want to give you grief to, which I've been known to do this over the years when we do the draft recaps, I think I need to see this Logan Lamarandier board beforehand at some point because I love hearing that a guy's like perfectly on the board at two hundred and eighteen, you know, like uh, <laughs> Amon Ra was, or like that you had Hooker Peg perfect, and then you like I got to see this board, and I told you I need the live picks. Yet for some reason the picks came in after the fact on a written article maybe after some thought was done i mean i'm just calling you out a little bit because i got audio text all types of things to back my stuff up i'll send it over i uh i usually only mention <laughs> my picks line up perfectly i'm like yeah that's right where i thought you on my board that's where it was going but there was plenty as you'll see with the next couple picks that yeah my board was way different than um yeah where the lions selected these players at Exactly. All right. So, you know, Broderick Martin, 
The Lions absolutely love this guy. They gave up two to three draft selections. This was a sixth, seventh round prospect they took in the bottom of round three. They're telling you they can't wait to see what he's going to be. I keep turning on his film, and I see a big-bodied, long-armed big fellow with a, that's a really good interview. He seems to have a really good head on his shoulders to some degree, but I don't see it with this player. I'm hoping the best, and I don't even know what the best is really for him, what they've envisioned, but what do you think about this one? Uh, Considering they traded up so much, too, I did not love the pick. And going back to my big board, I had him ranked 248th, (laughs) and he went 96th overall. Exactly. So, obviously, the Lions liked him a lot more than I did, um, and I didn't watch a ton of film on him. Um, I think I just watched his highlights and I just kind of marked chalked him up as like, Oh, just a two down nose tackle, uh, not overly valuable because you can find a lot of just bigger players that can clog up the middle. And I will say that Martin, you know, he didn't test all that great, but he has 337 pounds. So you wouldn't expect him to, but uh, I, you see, he has some, some lighter feet and he can move a little bit, but uh, most of the times when I was, cause I went back and watched more of him. I felt like all he was doing was just, there was a lot of times when he was just almost standing straight up and he would just lock out his arms and he was so big, his opponents couldn't move him. And I don't know if that's going to work in the NFL. I think he has some development to do. Uh, but anytime you're six, five, 337 pounds, 35 inch arms, uh, he's going to have the weight advantage, the length advantage in the middle pretty much at all times. And the Lions do need to get better at stopping the run. And maybe he can help out with that. I just feel like in the third round, drafting a nose tackle who isn't overly athletic, uh, it's not something I would have done. And I especially wouldn't have traded up all those picks to do so. And I was all aboard drafting Aline McNeil when they drafted him. Uh, And he's a big player, but he showed, I think on, on film, just a lot more in terms of explosiveness, he tested off the charts, which usually don't find no athletic nose tackles. And that's what, that's what matters. If you're drafting nose tackles that high to me is they they have to be special. And I just don't really see that in Martin's game. So again, I, I hope obviously I'm wrong and I'm way off and Martin is just a great player, but um, I still haven't been able to find like the silver lining in it where yeah. I, I really think that was a great pick or anything like that. Exactly. I got nothing to add. Hope he balls out. Hope he carves out a role. We'll see what happens. Uh, what, what about Col- Colby Sorsdahl, offensive tackle, interior player from William and Mary? And I keep forgetting. Um, so my personal selection yep. uh, with the Martin pick was Darius Rush, the cornerback. So I would have drafted two cornerbacks, but I really like, again, Rush's size and speed combo. Hard to find. And, uh, you know, he had a really good senior bowl. So I was, I was higher on him than probably most, but anyway, so is it all. Uh, another player was not on my big board at all. <laughs> um, so, and he was drafted at 152 overall. And I just pretty much wrote him off and didn't even, didn't even have him on my big board. Uh, so I had to do some homework on him and, you know, he's, he played at the East West shrine bowl. And he definitely dominated. He has like a nastiness to him, which I, I imagine that's what the Lions like. I feel like he's always throwing people around and uh, putting people on the ground. And he's played pretty much right tackle. All I saw was right tackle from him. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he ever even played guard, but a lot of people uh, projected him as a guard. And he's 6'5 and has that 33-inch ar- arm threshold that usually NFL teams want to tackle. So I could see him staying tackle but I think he's more of a road grader uh with some athleticism so maybe they they see him more inside but uh to me yeah he was he was dominant at William and Mary but it's it's William and Mary so I think it's more of a a project pick and again going back to just I didn't know much about him so I can't uh rip on the selection all that much and um I, I will say I, I liked what I saw from him once I started doing homework on him. So I can see why they liked him. My personal selection would have been another offensive guard with Andrew Voorhees. Um, tore his ACL at the combine, USC, strong as an ox. 
just a road grader. I, I would have gladly taken him, given him a year to recover, and he could have been the future uh, right guard, whatever happens at that spot in 2024. Yeah, nice. Good, good stuff there from you. Um, this is a guy I think that has – you know, some potential, and I can see the position making a little bit of sense, but uh, another one, like you said, is just kind of off the radar. Every year I'm never surprised when NFL teams take these guys that we've never heard a lick about or they're not ranked anywhere, and some work, some don't. I, I feel like I'm year after year it's a track record of, like, if my initial reaction is, Ugh, or who or oh gosh like that's not good you know those guys i haven't no. seen too many of those turn out to be incredible whereas normally when we're like brian branch is great value what a great player he'll probably be real good you know it's kind of how it usually works but uh, you know yeah we, and i mean and to that point i you know i obviously i don't do as much studying and in-depth homework on these players like oh, the yeah. lions do that's yeah. glaringly obvious but I put in a good amount of time into this. And for me to not even, um, you know, Consider for a guy really not to be on radar. my radar, it yeah. kind of th- catches me off guard. And you look at it, more often than not, if teams were to just follow the consensus big board, they're mu- <laughs> they're much more accurate than than a lot of GMs who grab these players out of nowhere and they don't do anything. Like the consensus big board – which is like everyone's big boards kind of combined into one. And I, I feel like those rankings are in mean, nothing's perfect, but they're, I, they're more accurate sometimes than GMs just, you know, pulling a name out of a hat. It feels like at times, and obviously they haven't, they've done their homework on them, but I would just say that I, it's tough for me to comprehend sometimes when um, teams go completely off the board. And I say it every, every time I, I pan on the selection, I, I hope I'm wrong. I just I feel like there's been so many times in the past where the Lions have drafted players and they're like, who who's this? And they yeah. don't turn out. It's like yeah. maybe one of these days they'll, everything will be great and they'll turn out. And it's like, what a great selection. So I think Brad Holmes, he really stuck his neck out for these guys. And even though they were later picks, I think these picks are going to be a little bit more under the microscope than most just because – he drafted players that he liked that a lot of other draft Knicks weren't familiar with. And you hit it perfect there because he stuck his neck out, but I had to hear, and I still hear for days and weeks that people that rank have no idea. And what are what does PFF know? And who cares what so-and-so thinks? And it's like, well, those guys do about as much research as they can. And I can easily see like GMs, coaches, especially falling in love with certain guys based on their interview, their mentality, um, you know, what they tell them as we would, I think like if we met some of these guys, we, we pick out 10 too, like Dan Campbell did that he liked and like, Oh, gotta have that guy or man, I'm real impressed. Oh, he cried in his interview. Like he's got passion. I mean, we don't know any of that, but I don't feel like these rankers are way off like people act like where they're like trust no matter what. And it's like I kind of trust these other folks, too, who put in a lot of time and effort and rank that their their picks come out pretty well, too, or their rankings. I don't see PFF usually have a guy ranked third that ends up being a complete bum, you know, or a guy that's 230 yeah. that is just a, a 500 type player. So anyway, that's my quick rant because everybody acts like the only person that knows is Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. But as you said, and as I always say, I hope it works. <laughs> I hope these guys are all good. <laughs> Let's finish it with um, – Oh, did you, did you, oh yeah, Voorhees, you threw in, that's a nice pick. Again, another injured player that would have to sit there. So we'll finish it out with Antoine Green, um, kind of a vertical threat wide receiver. What'd you think of that and who would you have taken? So, yeah, he would have been, um, he was 215th on my big board and they went, he went 219 overall. So I would have mentioned that. <laughs> I wouldn't have mentioned. <laughs> I was going to say that, that one you would have got in. <laughs> you don't have to disclose the wrong ones. That's on you. Just tell us when you're right, buddy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I thought um, he went around where he probably should go. And I really like, uh, he's a deep threat, ran a lot of vertical routes and that's what he's good at. And uh, the lions can use that. Uh, he could probably work on his route tree, but he's got some decent size and they're, this wide receiver class was so small or, or thin or light, like, and he's six foot two, 199 pounds, not elite size, but still, 
pretty solid for this year's draft. And uh, he comes down with a lot of difficult catches and just has a knack for, for catching deep balls. So, um, you know, that's, that's really about all I had on him. Uh, I thought it was a solid selection, you know, throwing a dart at the dartboard in the seventh round, just get someone who can fill one role and maybe, well, Jameson Williams sits out six games. I don't know if Green will be able to come in and be able to do what Will- Jameson Williams does, but at least be a nice piece on the field if he can make the team. But re- receiver is going to – it's always a tough position, that last receiver spot, because you got to be good on special teams if you're going to make the team. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. But I, I like his potential. I think it's worth the risk at that spot in the draft. This was a good kid that I kind of heard his name associated with the Lions a couple of times. And uh, again, Logan, I don't know if I mentioned this yet on the show. Uh, I saw a couple of his interviews. Great kid. Loves the game. Wants to do anything. Wants to be on special teams. Do whatever he has to as a wide receiver. And oh yeah, he can run by DBs and make a few plays. Catch the ball outside his frame. All that stuff you look for. So um, I I didn't have an issue with this uh, whatsoever. Logan, I'm throwing it to you for who your pick would have been. But I'm also highly distracted because we're like two minutes away from the NBA lottery where our Detroit Pistons are about to get Victor Webinyama seven, four shoots threes off one leg, just probably the most dominant player since LeBron. So if that happens while we're recording and I erupt, uh, that's going to be why. And if I don't listen to every great nugget you throw out, that's why, but who was your pick? And then, uh, I want to dip into UDFAs quickly, but then uh, get your quick thoughts on the schedule before we get up out of here on the Kool-Aid cast. For sure. Yeah, my pick would have been tomorrow, Jomo. Um, He was a defensive tackle from Texas and highly athletic, and he had a lot of nice traits. Uh, It would have been kind of like a three-tech type of penetrating defensive tackle that I still think the Lions need, and he has the upside and that skill set where I think – you could develop him and get something out of him. My favorite um, part about the draft is how these guys always slip. And, like, guys, if you really have your board or you have your list made, that it's fun picking late because there's a lot of guys that you are intrigued by and, and the NFL doesn't like for whatever reason. That was a guy I liked as well. Um, the other thing I want to see on the Logan board is, like, I think there's a lot of copy-paste that's going on, though, because I don't know how you'd rank 218 or 320, however you got, um, overall. I like to do them by position groups or buckets. I, I can't decide that Antoine Green's 211, or is he is he 207? <laughs> I don't know, because I don't know how to rank a receiver versus a DT at that point. I'm a big board, but you got that down, and we'll have to talk about that on another show. Um, what about the UDFAs? You know, they got Mo Ibrahim. They got uh, Martinez, the backup quarterback. They've got uh, Thomas, the cornerback. That I threw out quite a few names, and before I could look at my phone again, they had swooped up quite of the people I threw out there. So any guys you got pegged that are intriguing or might make the team that you're excited about? Yeah, um, so you mentioned them, the, the main guys, Ibrahim. Uh, I think that's how he pronounced his name. Um, I, he was someone who, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, before he tore his Achilles was a really solid player and he still is. And he breaks a ton of tackles and he just doesn't have that burst. You'd probably want in a starter, but he's someone who can break a lot of tackles and yards after contact. That's what I typically look for in a running back. And he does, does that with the best of them. So let's I'm, call him what, I'm let's good call with him that. What he is. I think he should Sorry, let's call him what, what he is. That? Jamal Williams replacement right there. Yeah. Yeah. And he might even be able to break more tackles than Jamal Williams. Um so who, that's, who knows? That's, but that's that shade from I, Logan I, I really like here, everybody. <laughs> that's Logan that said that, Jamal, not me. <laughs> I I think Craig Reynolds does that well too, though. So uh I'm probably higher on Craig Reynolds than most. And last year he had dealt with injuries, but I, I like both players. And then yeah, Star Thomas was another another guy who I liked. I had him ranked – I forget my exact ranking, but he was in like the <laughs> 180s for me uh, just because of his skill set and ball production. Uh, apparently re- was reportedly clocked at over 24 miles per hour, which is <laughs> like faster than Jameson Williams. So I don't know how accurate that is, but um, that was in 
Feldman's freak list and he's a pretty reliable source. So I'm going to, I'm going to believe that he actually got over 24 miles an hour. That's just crazy. He's a little smaller outside corner. Maybe he can move inside, but I, I really like him and his chances to make the team. And there's a few other like wideouts and a few things that are out there. I mean, what's nice about the lions right now is they have pretty much, I mean, their team's pretty well set across the board. So, you know, based on how they, I guess your overall thoughts of this draft, a lot of people took it away as, hey, they're going for it, or these are instant impact players. They didn't want to take projects, or they filled holes, which I think this regime has done a nice job of instead of just taking, you know, BPA or talent. They were like, we can't cover. We can't, we don't have linebackers. We don't have this. And then they went out and got that both in free agency and whatnot. So where are you kind of at now that the draft is over heading into the season roster, you got to feel pretty good looking at it as a whole, rather than being like upset in round one, excited rounds, two, three rounds, five and seven. Huh? Okay. You know, that type of feel. I really think, you know, the lions might've drafted. They, they were all very high on these players, but you know, looking at it, it's almost like they went straight for need, I feel like, because all these players should make an instant impact. I think their top four picks, um, you know, tight end was one of the biggest holes on the roster, and they drafted a tight end high. Linebacker, I felt like, was one of the biggest holes on the roster where they needed to improve. They had players, but I think they needed to improve, and they drafted Jack Campbell at 18. And then with Swift's contract situation, and, you know, me with Swift, I, you know, I – really like him when he's healthy, but that's not often. And they drafted an, an upgrade of Swift and that's going to go a long way. So they drafted a bunch of really good football players and players that I, I really liked, but again, we mentioned it before position value. I felt like that, that was the biggest issue I had, but in terms of instant impact, I think they got a lot of it this year and it's going to be a lot of, good play on the field very soon from this rookie class. Logan, quick follow-up, if I may. Why do you hate DeAndre Swift so much? <laughs> I I don't hate him. I guess I don't think I <laughs> I love him as much as other people do. Uh, real quick, uh, again, we could just talk for days, and, and we normally do when you come on the show, but uh, what do you think about a fourth rounder two years from now, moving him along? Uh, I... I think anybody that knows is is we we got a younger, faster, more dynamic running back, but we kind of did swap a decent player out that wasn't healthy enough. Um, did you kind of like that return? Did you think we gave him away for nothing? Where were you at with that trade of Swift? Even though you probably I mean, wanted to trade him for nothing. No, I I you got more, or we got more than I thought we would get for him. And yes, as the further you go out in the, for a draft pick, usually. The, the less valuable it's considered for whatever reason. Uh, but a, a fourth round pick, I think that's a lot better than I was expecting like a, a fifth, maybe and more likely a sixth. So for them to get a, a fourth round pick in 2025, it's a little bit off, but it'll be here before you know it. I was more than, more than happy with that. Cause I didn't think they were going to be able to get that. I believe at chops in the D calls that, um, garbage about a pick getting less valuable because it's just a couple of years down the road. I think he terms that bula bula here on the show because <laughs> it's still a fourth rounder. I don't really care when it is, and, and I was pretty happy with it as well. So, Logan, let's end it with this, man. The schedule dropped. Lions got some primetime games. We're not going to do win-loss, win-loss. But just overall, what do you think when the schedule dropped? What do you think in heading into the season roster and schedule? Do you think this is a team that can not only live up to the hype, but exceed it and bring home what we're all trying to bring home this year, if not more? Yeah, and the schedule release, I I never get too amped up about it just because we already we already know the teams that are being played. It's more so just about you know, primetime games. And primetime games are fun, but – I'm perfectly fine with them playing on Sunday at one o'clock every week. I, I kind of like that in my schedule, but <laughs> it is a lot of fun to get the national spotlight. I think it's needed for the lions. Um, it's needed for the players to make the pro bowl. Uh, it, it does. It's a sign of respect that the team is getting better and the NFL actually cares about what they're doing. So I, I like the prime time games that they got and getting week one, the first week, 
the first game of the NFL season. I think that's huge. And it's, it's on a Thursday, but it's great because it just gives the Lions more time to rest up for week two. So I was really happy about that. And yes, it's the Chiefs, which is the toughest game on their schedule in week one. Just get it out of the way. Um, you never know what happens in week one. There's a lot of weird, weird things that happen in the first week of the season. That's why a lot of betters don't bet on week one in the season, just because you never know what can happen. So I think the Lions, they have a talented roster. And the Chiefs, obviously, former Super Bowl champs or, uh, this past year, they're pretty good too. So um, I think it, the schedule, the bye week, looking at that, it's in a good spot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the schedule. There's, I don't have any complaints about it. No doubt. I mean, you. I'm glad you said it because you were kind of hemming and hawing. And the Lions are opening the season, Logan, at Arrowhead against the Super Bowl champs Thursday to kick off for the NFL. I never thought I'd see it in my life. Second of all, when you look at this schedule, we play like one cold game. We play like four, yeah. five, six games against quarterbacks that are yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> we have a few big time games, as you said, under the lights, which will be fun for fans and the team. And this team wants that smoke. They want the the big opponents. They want everything. And like, I think that's going to motivate them. And you hit on it as well. Week one. Andy Reid doesn't know what we're going to do, just like we don't know what they're going to bring to the table. I kind of like that showdown. I think we actually have better offensive weapons across the board. We just have to find a way to stop Pat Mahomes, which nobody's been able to do. And uh, I see this team, again, what is my schedule? What do my win totals start at? 10, 11, starts working its way up. Um, you know, that's uh, very doable. But the Lions got to go do it on the football field. They're getting all this love. I'm really hoping that they just roll with it, embrace it, and do it this year. You know, where it's like you don't just hear it and then they get blown out or then they have a few injuries. It's like, no, go in and maximize this hype, right, and be all that everybody says you're going to be. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, no, there's some pretty high expectations this year and and year three of the rebuild. Uh you know, I always said year three was when expectations were going to be really be increased and they're, they are right on schedule with where they need to be. So happy about that. And they just need to now fulfill that. I mean, there's been plenty of other seasons with high expectations that kind of been let down. So I, I think the NFC North, uh, that should be winning. That should be priority one. And if they can do that, I think the season should be considered a success. Uh <laughs> Maybe a playoff game win. Maybe that's more Maybe. of a success. But Maybe. Even though come, <laughs> coming, coming from the Lions fans, you know, just have a good season. Don't win the games you're supposed to win. You know, upset some teams here and there. Only have a couple slip-ups and make a run in the playoffs. And that's uh, – see where it goes from there because playoff football, you never know where it's going to go and – crazy things happen i'm can't wait for the season i i'm always excited for a season but this year feels different i i'm ready for the season to start now it feels real different logan ended the show with his half and half special you gotta get hype you gotta get excited let's not temper the expectations let's go for everything and then see where we end up but logan i'm gonna have to twist your arm this year we're gonna have to get out to training camp we've said it a couple years now something always seems to come up but i think we need to try to make that happen the kool-aid drinkers are drinking it in everybody's fired up even the bandwagon people we're letting them come along for the ride too now that this team is rolling but uh hey man i can't thank you enough for coming on i threw out a few plugs earlier but anything else you want to throw out as well as uh we went long like we normally do but i was just letting you flow man you were bringing that info i knew you had a lot of draft stuff you wanted to get out to the people and to the kool-aid drinkers so uh anything else you got but uh really fun having you on as always man no i appreciate it and was looking forward to this and talking all the draft stuff and we can talk about it more coming up so si all lions can find all the stuff there Plenty, always content, always good talking points and, and big topics. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Twitter handle at L.A. Morandier. Uh, Facebook, Detroit Lions Lowdown. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Instagram, Logan underscore L.A. Morandier, I think it is. 
Could be wrong. Just type in lamb or reindeer and it'll probably pop up. <laughs> I want all the Kool-Aid drinkers to go hit you up if they haven't already. You only got about 20,000, 30,000 followers on all the different platforms. Go hit them up. Drink in the content. Uh, gosh, the the Pistons, uh, they're, they're dragging this thing out. So they're four minutes away right now <laughs> from this big reveal. Perfect timing. Got to chop it up with Logan. Talk about my Lions. Talk about that draft, which I love. About to see the Pistons get the number one pick. Um, Red Wings are on the come up. Look out, Detroit. So everybody, that's all we got. We filled up your glass. Next week, probably more draft talk, more hype, more excitement about these Detroit Lions. So we'll catch you next week right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Back to back. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.